when someone does challenge you, if you punish them for the challenge, then you're training them the wrong way. You're saying like, yeah, I want you to challenge me. And then they challenge you and you totally eviscerate them. That's going to create an environment where you're no longer getting challenged. Welcome to Noah Kagan Presents. What up, party people? It's your boy, Mike Check, a.k.a. Rabbi Canlos, a.k.a. Noah Kagan. In today's episode, I got part two of Aubrey Marcus, the founder of Onnit.com. This guy runs a $30 million plus business, is engaged to Miss USA, does a bunch of drugs, and lives a very interesting life. I can't wait to share the business side of him. We talk about how the hell did he create a $30 million company? How did he get Joe Rogan, fear is not a factor, Joe Rogan, to partner with him? Which marketing channel exploded his business? Do celebrity influencers like Ludacris work or not? And a bunch more. Enjoy the episode. You know, what's interesting, when I asked you the question of um, who's Aubrey Marcus and where you're in the journey, whatever, what most, not everyone, what most people do is they start saying, well, I started this business here and then I started this here and I'm making this here and I have this many, and they kind of just, that's the default, even in like lunches or conversations in general, we default to like the professional side. And I thought it was interesting that you talked more about just yourself and identity and how you've kind of grown over the years versus necessarily just defaulting to be like, well, I started this company and all these things are who my external identity is. A lot of people fall in as they identify as their you know, as their identity. And I've done my best to identify as, as consciousness and then track myself as that force of consciousness. I've been hearing that about um, comedians. It's been my obsession lately to, to re- read the biographies of comedians. And almost every single one of them, Amy Schumer, Seinfeld, Judd Apatow, Steve Martin, they do it for years, which is one part of the story. But the second part of the story, which you're highlighting, and I just want to repeat, is that when they finally just started telling the jokes that they really wanted to tell and like their original and their honest jokes, is when people started resonating. Mm-hmm. But all the jokes where they were just replicating or thinking, oh, this is what people want to hear yep. is when they didn't get the responses. They yep. didn't get the laughs. No, it makes sense. Do you have a uh, conscious name? I was wondering if you're on one of your drug trips, you're like, oh, they call me Pelican. <laughs> no, like a, like a playa name, like <laughs> yeah. a Burning Man name? Yeah, nothing? No. Oh, yeah, I can, do you have any nicknames? <laughs> not really. I mean, people call me Ob, but uh, nothing much. I mean, I, Aubrey wasn't my first name when I was born. I was born Christopher Aubrey Michael Marcus. I dropped the Christopher after uh, my first trip down to South America and as like a line of demarcation. So it just became Aubrey Michael Marcus, which was my middle name. So that's, I feel like as many different manipulations that I can can get away with, with my name is I already did one good one. And I'm going to just, I'm just going to hold there. I'm going to (laughs) stay every year. (laughs) No more hits. Just Aubrey Michael. (laughs) Yeah. Third year is Aubrey. (laughs) Yeah. Just it. Like Prince. But you have a lot of relationships with on it with like super famous people and mm-hmm. a lot of celebrities that you guys have been able to sponsor. Like, and Joe Rogan's a partner in the company. Yep. And how did you make those happen? Like, how did you get all these amazing people to, to be partners with you or sponsors with you in these products as you've been running? The key to any connection is to be of service first, you know, figure out how I can be of service to them and then trust the law of reciprocity to hold. You know, so with Joe Rogan, it was, Joe, what's the supplement that you would like most to take? And he's like, well, I'd like a nootropic, which is a cognitive enhancer. I'd like a cognitive enhancer that was natural, that was, you know, based on herbs and plants and and natural ingredients that I could take every day. And I was like, all right, I'm going to see if I can make the best one that's ever been made. And how did you even get a hold of Joe? Uh, We were friends. We were friends. Um, We, I set up a podcast advertising deal with him, went up went out to lunch and what was supposed to be a 30 minute meeting came into like a four hour discussion on super volcanoes and psychedelics and all the mutual interests that we have. 
so we became friends and then, you know, a year and a half into that friendship, I just asked him that question and, um, that really formed the cornerstone alliance of what on it was going to become. And did that change the trajectory of the business? hundred percent. That was the business. Like everything else before was, you know, I had some ideas for hangover pills and different things like that, that I was going to try and make. Um, but when Joe said he'd like a nootropic, that's when I went out and talked to all the doctors and went to the research and created the first prototype of Alpha Brain. And then Alpha Brain really marked the start of On It as it is. So that was the moment. Were you sponsoring Joe for, for other stuff? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For like the, hangover. The flashlight. No way. Really? Yeah, it was the flashlight. Yeah. He used to do, he used to run ads for the flashlight. That's uh, how you connected? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny. And I, I do want to preface that because like in with sumo.com and appsumo.com, our businesses, a lot of our significant connections have become because I sponsored someone. Mm-hmm. Right. So we sponsored Tim Ferriss early in the day. And now, you know, I've known Tim before that, but I gave him money or Pat Flynn or a lot of these guys who are pretty known in circuit. So I, I think there's something there for people who are like, how do I meet people? Well, one thing is if you actually are willing to put up some money, that's a great way that shows that you're serious about like building a relationship or respecting their time or the, what they can create. Yeah. And it's funny when people have these weird ideas about reciprocity. Like, I mean, I use this example a lot, but people will be like, hey, man, I'll buy you a coffee if I can, you know, if you can mentor me for an hour. And I'll, I'll be like, what? Like I, we make coffee here. I got a cafe here at on it. Like I, I just walk over and I get it exactly how I want. I've like created it from scratch to build the perfect coffee to please my whole face and body. Like, and what are you offering me? Like that for an hour of my time, like doesn't make sense. Like in their head, this buy you a cup of coffee means something, but it doesn't, you know, but then there's other people who get it. And like somebody made me like a badass like custom knife set where it's like has knives with quotes engraved on them and shit like that and like that dude comes in and like all right man what do you want to talk about like that was rad that was really thoughtful that was cool that was something that is valuable to me you know so that starts a conversation and then from there the conversation has to have merit you know and and there has to be that natural connection but at least that was something that's like you know here man i i thought you might dig this and be into this and be like, oh yeah, for sure. And then that'll start the, that'll start the ball rolling. So it doesn't necessarily have to be money, but it has to be something of value and shit that could just be a laugh. Like a lot of people you meet, they just make you laugh and that's a value. And so from there, you know, the connection forms. Was that the major, that was the first inflection point in the business? I guess there was another pretty important connection with Bodie Miller, the, the skier who put up the first money to fund on it. First $60,000 was from him. And how did that all go down? And that was, we just met as kind of party buddies. We met in Las Vegas and just, you know, through a mutual friend and we both kind of had a similar outlook on the world. He had a level of awareness that I hadn't really seen in a lot of other people. Like we could observe a situation in macro and see the same things. Whereas I think both of us, you know, generally used to seeing things that other people don't see. So we would notice something and then notice each other noticing and be like, you saw that too? Weird. <laughs> it's like you're on a different plane. Yeah. 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 And, level. uh, and that was a, just a connection that kind of naturally formed. We became super close friends after that. And so that was one of those very lucky circumstances where luck brought two individuals together and then, you know, the connection formed from there. So I can't take any credit for that, but with the Rogan one, that was, all right, Joe has a new fledgling podcast with no advertisers. He had no advertisers at that point. And I was like, why don't I, you know, see if he's up for us sponsoring his podcast, see if, you know, see if Fleshlight first will do it and see if Rogan will do it as well. And then that will, you know, that'll be lunch. And then maybe me and Joe will get to be friends. Cause I'd listen to his comedy and I was like, 
man, this guy's talking about the same shit that I'm interested in. So I really respected him, wanted to get to know him. And I created a situation where, you know, there was some value to him. And then from there, you know, all of the things that I had explored and all of the, the friendship related issues beyond just the money, you know, came to bear and we got to become good friends. I like what you said. I just want to repeat it just so for everyone listening. It's like you created the situation. I did. Right. Yeah. It wasn't. And I think a lot of people are like, oh, how do I get this? How I get this? It's like, well, one, you, you took the initiative. Yep. And, and I think a lot of times, especially with advertising for businesses, people are like, oh, well, they don't accept ads. I'm like, that's the best opportunity. Yeah. Like the ones who actually haven't done it before is where you're probably going to get the biggest win versus what everyone's already figured out. Yep. Kind of like what you talked about early, early on in the show, which is just like, you got to question assumptions. Right. Well, like at this point, if you're, if you go to sponsor Tim Ferriss's podcast, like he's got a hundred sponsors that he's known, he doesn't have time to necessarily form personal connections with every podcast sponsor, but you get in early and you get in with someone who's like we did with Joe, where he doesn't have, like, he's not spending time with the execs at stamps.com and all the people who are advertising on his podcast anymore. Like that was the moment to really provide value before it's like the obvious choice. Like don't feel entitled just because you say like, oh yeah, I sponsored his thing, but he never really, you know, he never really wanted to have dinner with me. Like, all right, yeah, it was too late. That wasn't the thing that was going to be value. You could get a million sponsors, you know, find something that's really genuinely a value and make sure that you continue to offer that. And don't feel like it's like the guy who buys a girl a drink and then expects to have sex. <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah, all right, maybe buying the drink gets you that first 10 seconds of conversation. And then from there, you're on your own, buddy. Yeah. You know, but like, understand what it is that you're, that you're actually getting with that initial offer. And so if I understand the story correctly, and I've never heard this before. So you went, you met with Joe for Fleshlight. You said, hey, I'm also interested in, in brain stuff. And, and No, that was two years later. Really? Basically, yeah, it was basically like, hey man, we'd love to uh, sponsor your podcast. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, you know, and Joe was into it, not only because um, it was the first podcast sponsor, but because uh, he liked not taking himself too seriously that he wouldn't choose an advertiser of something so silly as a flashlight that you fuck <laughs> like to him that was his way of saying like fuck all right you. i'm not going to be so corporate that i'm not going because everybody told him not to do it like his his handlers advisors like don't do that deal he's like no i'm going to do that deal because i don't want people to look at me like a guru i want people to know that i'm still joe and i'm still someone who will advertise a flashlight that you fuck you know and so i think it was appealing on both those fronts but that was the entire nature of our business discussion and then from there it was all just, you know, relying on the merits of the journeys that I'd been on, the things that I'd explored and our mutual interests. And then friendship was, you know, at least two years. And then after that, then it was the question of, you know, what kind of supplement would you like? How did you transition to that? Well, you know, you just hang, I think it was just after a podcast one day, he invited me on his podcast to just shoot the shit about all the things that we talked about, genetic bottleneck theory and all of these different things that we geek out on. And um, after the podcast, you know, he knew that I was trying to start this hangover. I had started this hangover supplement company. Um, and he allowed me to talk about it on the podcast. So super grateful for that. Um, and I was just like, what supplement would you like the most? And that's how that conversation started. Then I shipped him some samples and then how long was that between when you guys came up with it? When you came up, about, you like, yeah, it was about four months. And did you say, Hey, I want you to be my business partner. He said, Hey, I no. want this. And you said, Hey, let me just make it for you. Yeah. I was like, let's see if we can make something great and then i shipped it to him and then we both agreed that it was really we had something there and then from there the business discussion started and how'd you figure out terms with that um it wasn't easy 
it wasn't easy. You know, I mean, I think he recognized his value. I recognized his value, but then, you know, I realized that I was going to have to give up a significant piece of the company. Um, but we just kind of chatted about it and it was actually, a it was an interesting moment where I really got to know Joe. And I told this story before I remember in the negotiation for how much equity he should get, I was laying out my position, like laying out my hand. And I said something like, well, you know, and I want to keep this amount you know, for myself and for to pass on to my kids and blah, blah, blah. I was laying out this structure and he's like, I don't give a fuck about your imaginary kids. <laughs> and I was like, uh-huh. All right. So we're just playing in this at a hundred then. And that really set the tone. And I learned that from him there because it wasn't that that was dishonest, you know? I mean, surely I do want to leave. I mean, it's still in my head, like that same portion that I was talking about these kids, especially now that I'm engaged and kids are coming in, like that makes a lot of sense. But nonetheless, at that point, that wasn't the most prescient piece of information. Really, you know, I wasn't playing at a hundred. And I think at that point we established a different level of communication, which was just playing it at a hundred with each other and just telling it straight up so that neither one of us are overspinning the cue ball one way or the other. If some shit happens and some shit comes up. I just tell them, you know, I don't think about how I'm going to tell them. I don't think about how I'm going to prepare this piece of information. We just talk and it's been by far the best partnership I've ever had in any business or in anything really. It's just straight up hundred percent. What'd you guys end up with? <laughs> I've never shared that. And I'll I know that's yeah. why I asked. So uh, I'll probably leave that one. <laughs> can you do a, can you tell a range? He owns a significant piece. You know, I still own majority, but he owns a significant piece. What do you think of the elements of a good partnership that's led you guys to be so, so I, and I feel that like with my business partner, where like, I've gone to him and been like, yo, I want to go do a podcast and YouTube and blog. And, and I, that's really exciting for me. Mm-hmm. And I want to go spend a lot of my time doing that. And he's like, that sounds great. Yeah. And I was like, you can just let me, you want to let me be happy and do my things. He's like, yeah, I want you to be happy and I want to be happy too. Mm-hmm. And it's just been that among other things that I really appreciate about my partner, Chad. So I'm curious for you guys, like what have been the elements? So straight talk. Yeah. I mean, hundred percent honest communication. And then I think uh, a respect of each other's skill sets, you know, like I understand and respect what he brings to the table and, you know, and, and measuring the value in, in not getting sidetracked in, you know, the amount of time, like I put a lot more time into on it than Joe does, but his value is equivalent to what he's, you know, what he's providing, even though he's just talking about it here and there and wearing the shirts, you know, and I'm in here, every day grinding. and sweating and grinding. I don't try to play these games or like, well, man, I, you know, I should deserve more than him. You know, we've tried to cut it as even as possible, just recognizing that both of us are offering, you know, incredible value and just be grateful, like see abundance instead of this kind of scarcity and where you're comparing slices of the pie. Like I'm happy that he's making a shitload of money. I'm happy that I'm making enough money, you know, like, and I think that's been kind of key is respecting each other, what each other bring and not trying to, let the ego decide like, man, I'm working so much harder and he's getting all of this and all he's doing is reading podcasts and wearing t-shirts and because yeah, all right, maybe if you're measuring it in that KPI, like what is he actually putting in as far as time means that, but as far as value, you know, he deserves everything that he's ever going to get from on it and more. So it's just shifting that from scarcity to abundance and from resentment to gratitude. It's funny you say that uh, in my previous partnerships, very nice guys. But uh, with the partners at the time uh, in my previous business, they're always like, well, we're working now and you only started it. And, mm. it. and besides like the details of that, it was more of that there wasn't that respect about what each person is here to provide for the business. And Joe right. has provided his part and, and you've come and provided your part. Yep. Uh, and I think that's something that now with Chad, I remember when I started Sumo, I was like, look, I'm the owner. 
I'm in charge. It's, mm-hmm. it's all me because I don't want to deal with what I dealt with. And over time, it's not about that whatsoever. Yeah. It's like, how do I let Chad create the life that he wants to live and how do I support him in that? And he does the same thing with me and we want everyone else who works at the company to get that too. Yeah. And you hear so many nightmare stories with partners and a lot of times, you know, you can be overly generous at the start too and, and put yourself in a real bind. You know, I've seen a lot of people have said, all right, 50, 50 partners but they're not looking into the future as to like what the true value is that they're going to bring and what their partners are going to bring. So you get saddled with this 50% partner who plays a small piece at the beginning and then really has no more legs, you know, after that piece is over and you're like, well, fuck (laughs) now, what do we do? Cause now we're really in an awkward spot. So just having some foresight planning for it being a success. Cause that's the only time it's going to matter anyways. You know, I think sometimes people plan for it being like, just over the line from being a failure like, like like just making it to that first hump and then what's the value there but you got to project long term and like what is the value of this whole thing um i think that's something to, to kind of keep in mind and don't underplay your own value because you're shy you know yeah. like know what you're worth and know what you're going to bring i was talking with nick uh the founder of alinea one of my favorite restaurants in the world and he's like he they spent a hundred thousand dollars on um on like a table and i was like why do you guys spend so much money he's like well, I planned for it to succeed. Yeah. Right. I didn't plan and set it up so it would fail. And, and that kind of really has stuck with me. It's same what you're saying. I just repeat it where it's like, it's like, yeah, I'm coming in this fucking trying to win. I'm yeah. not here to be like, oh, we'll just see if it's okay. Uh, if Joe and you had a disagreement and you guys had a fight, mm-hmm. right, to the death, who do you think would win? Joe. Depending on the weaponry. Like, okay. Fist, fist, let's just fist, start. Joe. Really? For sure, easily. Cause he's a great striker. Um, you know, was a world champion kickboxer, stays active as hell. And he's a black belt in jujitsu. So on the feet and on the ground, I'm fucked. But I've had a lot more training with the sword. So I think if I was able to have a sword fight with him, I'd get him. But uh, but with fists, yeah. Or bows and arrows. That you get. Oh, you have a bow and arrow in your hand? No, he beat me with bows and arrows too. I'm really only, I really only have an advantage with swords. And, you know, I think... I got some, I got some gunplay skills that, that may be better than his, but that'd be, that'd be tough. That'd be tough. Like the old fashioned duel where we walk over, Ooh. but yeah, I have no, I have no qualms saying that he would kick my ass in a fight. Fair and enough. there's, I mean, I'm a pretty good fighter, but he's better. Okay. Respect better. I mean, maybe when he's like 65 and I'm like 46, you know, or whatever, or no, that'll be, I'll be like 50, you know, there'll, there'll be a certain point potentially where that'll turn. But it's not now. No, it seems impressive. One, one thing, and yeah. I, I don't want to sidetrack it too much. But why do you think Joe Rogan is so universal? Why do you think he's so liked? I think it's the, I think it's the balance. I think he can tell a dick joke and you know bro out and be the commentator of the UFC and laugh and talk about getting drunk and smoking weed, and then he can also talk about yoga and psychedelics and you know rap with you know a, a physicist on the nature of quantum mechanics, and and it's just he's honestly representing you know, that kind of balanced ideal showing people that they don't have to be one thing. And then he's not, he's also not trying to be anything. He's just is, you know, I think too many people, the trying is gross. You know, when you're like trying to be a spiritual guru or trying to be a badass or trying to be this or that, it's just gross. But Joe is, and when you are, and that's all you're worried about is just being an authentic expression of yourself. And he regularly checks himself, gets super high, goes in a float tank you know, holds up a mirror and says, all right, here, where am I being douchey? You know, where have I, where have I overstepped my bounds? I mean, whenever he sees himself having done something that he's not happy with, he immediately goes out and said it. Like you can look at his Twitter feed and say, like after a podcast where he got emotional and gotten kind of a heated argument, he was like, you know, he 
basically writes out, he's like, you know what, after reflection, I realized I got a little emotional here. You know, I want to apologize to people, blah, blah, blah. And because he's ruthless with, him, with himself like that, he doesn't delude himself. He doesn't fall into the traps of saying, you know, well, I did this because this, and he deserved this and try and back up your argument when you know you're wrong. He'll just take it on the chin and be like, oh, I was fucking wrong. And I think people really respect that. What do you think people say about Aubrey? I don't know. You know, I mean, that's, uh, um, you know, I think I've always done my best to be a good friend, you know, be someone who's, uh, you know, I'm not always available, but whenever someone needs me or whenever I can make someone's life better, or make them happier, you know, I've, I've done my best to step up. You know, I also reflect upon myself and, you know, have my douchebag check <laughs> check system in, in effect to realize when I'm being a dick or when I'm being selfish. And, you know, so I do my best with similar mechanisms of Joe, sometimes psychedelic, sometimes floating, sometimes just reflection, sometimes these ways. So, um, you know, I, I think for the most part, people who know me have had a, have had a positive experience. And I think that is reflected by, you know, the company and how many connections we formed. And, you know, we have all of these athletes, Chicago Blackhawks and fighters and football players and people. And, um, it's not because we're paying them all, you know, a lot of times it's just because we're providing something of value, some kind of service, some kind of, you know, like, Hey man, I'm here for you. You know, I'll talk to you about whatever you can. I'll help you out with your nutrition and your supplement plans or whatever. And so hopefully, you know, hopefully in my legacy, uh, you know, people will look at me and say, yeah, Aubrey, that was someone who has, you know, made my life a little bit better. How do you actually get the, these, uh, like UFC fighters and all these people besides Joe, that story made sense, but how did you guys continually do it? And, and I want to just highlight, I think two things you've done amazingly well, and, and I don't think people really see it is that you found that podcast worked and you did a shit ton of podcast sponsorship. Yeah, totally. And then I think you've done the same thing with celebrities and this applies to all businesses, which I like to remind myself, mostly just for me, selfishly, find something that works and do more. Yeah. Right? And you did the same thing with celebrities or with athletes, which is just like, hey, they promote the products well. It gets people to find out about them and use them. Uh, actually not. Really? Athletes don't promote the products well. <laughs> it really doesn't do anything. I mean, it's it's cool. It's fun to hang with these guys. I love producing like inspirational content with them. I love hanging with them. You know, I love learning from them, but it doesn't do shit for the business. How do you know that? Well, because we can watch what happens when real time and statistics, when they promote something on you know, Instagram or Twitter, or, I mean, Ludacris with his 12 million fans can post something about on it saying on it is the best supplements he's ever had. He's going to live to 120, blah, blah, blah. And we won't notice anything, but some small podcast with a loyal audience of 20,000 can talk about something and we'll see a massive spike. It's really about how much the audience trusts that person on the particular subject and topic and how much they feel like they know them. Oh, interesting. So it's not necessarily about these big names. I love hanging and working with these guys. They're awesome. They're, they're great for a reason. You know, they're great because they've pushed through their own boundaries and resistance. They've taken the steel of their sword and folded it in the fire a million times. So we get along on a certain level, but it's not like they're massively helpful for the business. You know, they're just, it's just a really cool part of the story and the fabric. And why do you do it then? It comes, it comes to us. And it's, um, and that's why we don't pay them a bunch and go out seeking. Like we don't, we're not trying to constantly recruit new athletes. You know, really it's a lot of word of mouth. It's, and it's the people that we do come in contact with, you know, we're sticky, you know, we're the type of company and, you know, I'm the type of guy and then the people around me are the type of people that when someone comes in contact with us, you know, they like what they see. They enjoy with their experience. They get something beneficial out of it. 
And so, you know, they want to be affiliated and associated and involved. And so we just keep accumulating that. It's like, instead of going out and trying to attract different things, we just focus on our own gravitational force and then allow the satellites to plug in and take a few orbits around and, and then bounce back out to their own universe, you know? Have you guys sponsored any business athletes? So someone like myself who may sit at a microphone, uh, non-physical. Yeah, I mean, and, uh, <laughs> and, and that's a lot of our podcasters, right? And comedians and different oh, people like that. So yeah, for sure. I mean, and if someone has- I was has actually a, just trying to get some free stuff. That was a stupid job. You're in. Uh, what other things have worked really well? Because you said that, that's actually really counterintuitive, man. I'm, I'm a little surprised. Mm -hmm. Like one, I like Ludacris. I think we all love Ludacris. Sure. But I think if well, you put out a song, we'd all go listen to that song for certain. And I think that was a really interesting point. But if he puts out supplement, maybe, right? Or Generally, maybe. no. You know, and from what we've found, it's just because people know him as an entertainer. So yeah, yeah he's, in a, he's a, you know, his credibility is in entertainment and hip hop. And he writes, you know, a an opinion piece on hip hop or if you creates a product related to rap music or anything or a song or media piece. All right. He's an authority there. Like we'll listen to him on that. Um, but it also depends too on how authentic and how well people know him. If they know just ludicrous, the figure, but they don't know ludicrous, the man, Chris Bridges, you know, if they knew Chris Bridges and Chris Bridges is telling him something, well, maybe that's a different story. But if ludicrous is saying something, who cares, you know, like, all right, whatever. They don't know if he's been paid to do that. They don't know, what, you know, their natural skepticism, but when it's just changing it from a recommendation from a friend to uh, a sponsorship. And I think that's the difference. And that's the case with athletes. Like people know athletes as the Jersey and their persona and, and who they are. And even in interviews, athletes are very cagey with letting people know the actual self, like what's going on. I don't know. We're taking it one game at a time, one game at a time. There was like a joke on sports center about that. Like that's pretty much the answer that every athlete says. It's just like, saying the basic shit, getting this out of the way, and then playing the sport. Like people don't know the athletes who they are unless they have a podcast, unless they have some way of reaching out and penetrating that persona. And I think that's why podcasts are so effective is because you feel like you're friends with these guys. And so when your friends are recommending something, you know, you're gonna pay attention. What can we recommend for everyone listening from the Onnit family of products? What would be the one thing you're just like, hey, what's, here's the thing I think most people try it, they love it, and this is where they're like, damn, Onnit's good stuff. I mean, Alpha Brain, that very first product is still our flagship. You know, that's a way without stimulants to enhance your cognitive function. Two clinical trials, Boston Center for Memory. We've shown this in double blind studies against placebo. This is not hocus pocus. This is actually working on the neurotransmitter level to make you more sharp. If your issue isn't getting more sharp and you want to, you know, improve your mood, then we have a, you know, product called New Mood that helps out with your mood regulation stabilization. If you want, something to give you more energy for a workout then we have this really on it is just this giant toolbox and you plug in and figure out like all right what do i need the most do i need more sleep do i need more focus do i need more you know aerobic capacity what do i need and then how can on it provide a tool that might be helpful in that or just fucking catch a buzz off the inspirational videos we just put out a video today with this fighter cub swanson so dope you know sometimes you don't need any actual products you just need a little kick in the ass and you don't have to buy anything we're happy to provide that too that's a great way of putting it when i, I wasn't feeling sexual a few years ago i went to doctors i read the forums i watched low t on, on youtube i don't think he's around anymore that's uh, mr t's son who had low testosterone and uh what ended up happening was mental it was yep. actually just my mind that was just kind of pulling me back and it took you know actually having sex with an ex-girlfriend 
that broke it free. It was totally fucking random. I don't know how that even happened or what mm-hmm. like the science is behind it, but it was more of a bigger realization where like your mind is actually really powerful yeah. and it doesn't necessarily need an external enhancement or some pill to actually change that completely. One thing that I was wondering though, is like, I can, I can imagine myself hearing this and being like, I don't know, Aubrey, I know you uh, relatively well, but people who don't know you are like, well, it's a pill. It's probably like some sugar caffeine pill, mm-hmm. right? Like how have you gotten people over that hump of believing your product? And it's like even getting them to try it, right? Because yeah. it's not like a free product. Well, I think science is the religion of our time, you know, and I think that double blind placebo control, having those double blind placebo control trials on our product has really made a huge difference, you know, because we had a lot of doubters and detractors I and mean, we still have some, but that is really diminished because now we have clinical trials on um, three of our flagship products. And that Do you think shown- people would say that you're paying for those though? So it's like, the, of course, they're biased to give you a good review. You can't trick the sun. Like they're independent agencies whose credibility is on the line and those studies are peer reviewed. So it's not like we did it in our basement. Like, yeah, it was double blind. <laughs> no, his mom liked it. Quotation yeah. marks, you know, even though I'm providing it and I know which pill it is and I'm shifting the results, you know, we chose places like the Boston center for memory, you know, in the Boston center for memory before the alpha brain was a success, had a string of like 14 negative results, like no results on products that they tried published all 14. Like it's an organization that has, greater credibility at stake than to try and get enthralled in a scandal for their biasing their data, you know, for some small supplement company, you know? So I think it is important to, you know, to kind of pony up and really take the risk because there's ways to do it the other way. You know, most supplement companies, they don't contact independent organizations. They'll have, you know, their lawyer do it to protect attorney client privilege. And so if the negative results come out that they can bury it, you know, they'll have, there's all these different tricks that you can do. Or if you really believe in what you have, you take it to an organization like them and say, all right, let's test this. Let's see if it works. Like we believe it does. What things have you guys done? Haven't worked. Well, we had a product, um, speaking of testosterone, we had a product we used to call T plus, and we tested that on the rugby team at Florida state university through Florida state. We were testing two things. We were testing to see if they had any strength improvements and we were hoping that they would also have testosterone improvements. They only had one of the two. So they did not show any boost to testosterone. Um, I mean, the science is a little bit complicated, but there's mechanisms in place if you have a healthy amount of testosterone to to prevent the surplus of testosterone. It's called the negative feedback loop. And so that kicked in. So they had no significant benefit in testosterone improvement, but they did show a significant benefit in strength improvement. So we, you know, acknowledge that, change the name of the product from T plus to strength and performance. And while it still may work to boost testosterone for some people um, who have lower testosterone, who is usually who you test something like that on, you want to test on somebody who's deficient so you don't run into this problem. Uh, but we kind of backed off that claim and just talk about the strength improvements, which we've shown clinically and scientifically. And the product is, you know, sales have dramatically suffered from that, you know, from doing that because testosterone is a major key issue. But, you know, we feel like that more accurately reflected what the science has shown. How come you guys don't do FDA? And I just don't know. FDA is for drugs. So yeah, why aren't these classified as that? Drugs are designed to treat a medical condition. So you cannot have, you cannot have a drug that doesn't treat a medical condition. Every single drug has to treat a medical condition. Hmm. So we are not trying to treat any medical conditions. We're trying to take people from good to great. We're trying to take people and improve their performance. So um, in that space, we're not creating drugs, we're creating supplements. It's like enhancements, I would say. Exactly, exactly. And that's that's the strict line of demarcation. And while the same study methods, like, like the study with the Boston Center for Memory could be 
it's the same size and it's the same criteria for the basis of a drug, we weren't treating a medical condition. These people were, they actually had a standard deviation above normal IQ. They were young, healthy individuals. There's nothing wrong with them. They were just better. They remembered more. Their mind was faster. They were more focused after taking it than they were before. And so that's the big difference. Gotcha. I didn't know that. That was very cool to know. Mm Mm-hmm. With the business to where it is now, like what have been the major inflection point? It sounds like Joe was a huge one. When you got that with Alpha Brain, you finally got it clicking. Mm-hmm. What have been some of the other major ones? You know, podcasts then, you know, when we magnified Joe's effect out on other different podcasts, I think that mm-hmm. was, so Joe was promoting on it on his podcast. And then we realized how powerful podcasts were and started advertising on other podcasts. So duplicating the Joe Rogan effect with smaller Joe Rogans. Nobody can ever be the the Joe Rogan, but that same idea, people who are authentically and honestly expressing their viewpoints about our products. So working with as many of them as possible, I think the decision to, you know, create the Onnit Academy, which is both uh, the content side and the actual um, physical academy, the gym side, I think that was a key moment to embrace really that total human optimization picture being that It's not just about the supplements you have or the food that you're eating. It's also about what you're doing with your body and kind of rounding out that picture. I think that was really big. So just to clarify for everyone, because I mean, I'm at your academy. Yeah. I got the office that has the academy. So it's a full workout gym that has like almost every kind of equipment you can imagine. And like, I would say futuristic equipment. Futuristic and old equipment. You know, some of the things like the maces, steel maces, which were the leader in the world in, um, they're from 12th century Persia. You know, where the Pelwani wrestlers and the warrior elite were overtraining with Gada, which were these heavier maces to prepare themselves for swinging the maces in real battle. Same with the Indian clubs. Well, I also think people don't know that whenever you see a kettlebell with a monkey face, basically, yeah, it's that's on it. Yeah. And I don't think people know that because everyone sees them. If you ever work out or you go to someone, a gym or wherever, you'll see a monkey face kettlebell. Yeah. You're like, what the fuck is that? It's an on one. Yeah. Uh, what, what is your top seller, by the way, for all your physical products? Monkey face kettlebell. Monkey face. <laughs> yo, get that monkey face. Can I get one with my face on it? Like, what would that take to get a Noah, Noah bell? That would take about 20 grand. That's doable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. In our follow-up episode, we'll talk about the success of the Noah bell. Um, all right. So having an academy, and I, and I think the other part that I just really want to highlight, which I think is, is a genius, is that you say, hey, here's the supplements, here's the products you can take or physical products, but here's also the mental game, which is the academy mm-hmm. knowledge. So yep. Instagram, content, videos, things yep. like that. Yep, totally. Yeah, it's trying to level up all aspects, you know, and also provide something where it's not about, you know, being on it isn't about how much stuff you buy. You know, being on it, it's a mindset. It's a way that you're, you know, tackling the obstacles in life and looking to seek optimization, you know, seek what, what is your own potential. And we have a lot of tools that you can buy and we have a lot of information that might be helpful. And sometimes, as I said, you just need a little inspiration, a little kick in the ass. You know, we just had Gary V here yesterday and you know, he's great at that. I mean, he just dropped straight inspiration. We didn't talk about products and shit like that. He just, you know, 40 minutes of lighting your lighting your ass on fire you. just yeah. yelling at just you, yelling yeah. at you. <laughs> i mean it's like i have a jewish mother i don't know <laughs> like, i have gary v built in uh all right so you were saying uh the joe rogan creating the academy was there any other major inflection points we had a hard time converting cold traffic because i think our story was really complex so like we needed a warm recommendation either from a mm-hmm. podcast or from a friend or from so we were growing by that and then i think finally um being able to present a narrow enough, clear enough argument where we lost all of our suppositions about what people should know about us and trying to overtell too much of the story and just focus on, Hey, here's this one product. 
Here's what this one product does. Here's our money back guarantee policy, which is better than any money back guarantee policy in the entire industry. Basically people can get a product and cancel it and, and, uh, get it without having to send it back, get a full refund without having to even send it back. So, you know, remove all the obstacles and the hoops that prevent people from actually exercising these money back guarantees, which, um, is a game that I think a lot of companies play is like, here, you money back guarantee, but you have to find the original box and the original receipt and you have to mail it, do this, in this particular, yeah. do this fucking <laughs> maze. And you're like, that's not worth my $30 to do that. Yeah. So we made it really easy and, um, you know, just prom- promote that very clear story without the assumptions, um, and get new customers who just want to buy one or two of the tools that we have to offer. And I think that was a real important moment for us because that really um, helped accelerate our growth as well. Just making it a no brainer. Like you really have no excuses not to be able yeah, to exactly, try it. Exactly. And I, I think we got, we, you can easily fall in love with the, the whole story. You know, like you try to tell someone cold who has a limited attention span, everything they need to know about total human optimization and all of the tools that we have available. They're like, oh, fucking overload, like fuck off. You know, but if you just very narrow it down, like here's one thing that you might like, yeah. you know, here's your risk reward proposition, you know, and then make a compelling case in that way. And, and I think that's really, that was a key moment for us as well. Uh, you know, it's amazing you say that. Cause I think about that with podcasting now that I've been doing it for, I think it's about month five mm-hmm. and, you know, I get about 20,000 downloads an episode, but my email list is larger and other things are larger. And what I realized though, is that I need a gateway drug. Is that expecting someone to come into a po- listen to a podcast right away is like expecting marriage on a first date. Yeah. It's like people who send me their book and like, please read it. Let me know what you think. Like what? You asked for 10 hours in yeah. this book that like, I need more. Yeah. You know, I need, I need a real reason to, to, to read that book. Yeah. Something compelling out of, cause I mean, right now I think the most precious commodity is attention, mm-hmm. right? The most precious thing in the world is attention. And so the brands and the things that are winning like Facebook and Google are win because they have the attention of ours and the podcasts that do really well, create compelling content that people want. But I think the two things that I just wanted to highlight is one, how do you do a gateway drug, right? So how do you find the one thing that you're like, just start with this, start with alpha brain, start with that. And let's just go with that as your kind of thing. Or for me, I feel like people start with maybe a tweet or a blog post. Then they're like, oh shit, YouTube. Oh shit, podcast. Oh shit. Maybe like, you know, have an in-person event someday, something yeah. like that. That's a bigger commitment, but you have to start them on that. And the second thing I like is that when you say total human optimization, the fucking branding is epic. Yeah. And I love that. And I like that you guys have a story run and maybe that's a, a later thing for businesses to do, but I love that you're like, Hey, here's our story. Yep. Like we want a total human optimization and that comes in different aspects. And we want to provide that for you from physical products to mental uh, knowledge to actual supplements. Uh, in, in, in closing, one thing that I kind of wanted to just understand is like, how do you decide what to do and what not to do? And so you bought a ranch. <laughs> I suck at that. Though, <laughs> I know. Honestly. Really? Like I'm just really, I'm really, really bad at saying no. You know, because I see what could be, but I'm oftentimes unrealistic about, you know, how much time I'm willing to dedicate to that. And so I end up having a bunch of ideas that could work if I really dedicated myself to them, but I'm, you know, I won't put in the time to actually make them work. So they'll languish and just kind of be there and be an annoyance on my brain. And um, so if I had to say one of my biggest flaws is I try to do too much, you know, it's part of that. There's this kind of passionate creative process like, oh, I'm going to create this spinoff, this idea, this new product, this new concept, this new thing. Like I have a clothing company. Like I don't devote nearly enough fucking time to this clothing company to make it have it make any sense at all. But, you know, so but I started it and I have a partner in it. And then it's this it becomes this thing that's now part of my repertoire of things that I have to be concerned with when really probably if I could do it all over again, 
um, I would do less and I would focus more on those fewer things that I was doing. So that's something that I struggle with. And I think I, you know, I've talked to really good entrepreneurs like Josh Bazzoni. He has a, he has what he calls the rule of three. Like he'll only allow himself to focus on three things maximum at any time. And I've really tried to adopt that going forward, but you know, there's some legacy things that are still there and you know, I'm not going to fold down the clothing company. I've got it to a point where it's not costing me anything. And I just hope that one day, you know, I'll spin through all of the other things and I'll have the time to, to go back and pay that some attention. Cause I do love fashion and I, the idea is still sound, but I've really made some, I've made some mistakes there. And I think the company as, as a whole, you know, could have grown faster if we'd have focused more on our core products. Probably if we're looking at dollar to dollar, if we would have just focused on our key five supplements, you know, more intensely from the start, we could have grown a lot faster and then, and then rolled out the whole suite a little bit slower. What makes you think that would have grown it faster? Just seeing what has happened by promoting these products singularly. Like now we have the bandwidth and the time to go back and really focus on each product as if it's, you know, a few products as if they're their own company, right? Like really fully give it attention. And that's, what's propelling our growth, you know? So instead of chasing new products and new launches and new things all the time, you know, and like, yes, we'll do this. Yes, we'll do this. Yes, we'll do this. And scrambling and giving everything a little bit of attention. We've seen our growth from then honing that focus back in like a laser and focusing on one thing and seeing that thing to its ultimate fruition. That's what's propelled it. Now, if we would have started that four years ago, I think we would have seen, you know, faster growth. But then, then again, I love where we're sitting now and, you know, I don't regret it, but I think, um, in general, you know, having a little bit more focus would have helped me out. And it's probably my biggest flaw. What? It sounds like you just learned that you were like talking to yourself right there. Totally. One of the biggest things I've noticed in my business, uh, with Sumo Group now, it's an eight figure company. We have a good amount of people there and, and the products have grown is that the things I joke about or the things I say kind of in passing are actually the important things. And so multiple times we've had inflection points in our company where I'm like, you know, I don't know why we just don't go like with AppSumo, for instance, or Groupon for Geeks. I said, why don't we just go back to promoting only amazing products? And it doesn't have to be every day. Just do it whenever we have them, twice a week max. And now the business doubled. Yeah. Right. And then there was other things with Sumo. It's like, you know, people really just like email and grow in their email list. Why don't we just focus on that? And now the business grow. And so it's just been interesting to notice the things I kind of mentioned in passing or joking. And I'm like, oh, there's probably some truth to those things that I need to see how I can apply it in actually the business. Yeah. Versus when you sit in a room and like, all right, we got to figure this one thing out. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a dance. You're always kind of learning things. And I think the human factor is, can make things more complicated too. You know, people that you want to have involved and yeah. things that expectations that other people have. And it's about balancing, you know, that with uh, the health of the organism as a whole, you know, and, and that's where I think having a clear mission is really important. Like when you know your mission, then, you know, you're willing to, to make sacrifices along the way for the mission. You know, I started out hiring a lot of homies and there's not a lot of homies left here at on it you know mm. it's just they weren't able to make the transition from a 20 person company to a 150 person company you know it's they were generalists and now we're in a time in a world at on of specialists where everybody here has to be a specialist and my homies were great generalists generalists super loyal super like able to do multiple things but were they the specialist you know facebook advertising was no they weren't were they the specialist um you know, in, in all of the different areas. And I think that's been, you know, something you have to be aware. Of. And if you don't have a clear mission and you don't understand that the health of the organism is more important than your friendships and, and all of these other things that you have going on, um, because the organism means something that the mission means something. I think that really helps a lot too.
where'd you go learn all this? Like, where'd you learn to go from the 20 to the 150? Was it from your stepdad or was there certain, was there? Yeah, I've always had a natural knack at, at leadership as in, a, in a broad sense. So how to get people motivated to a goal and to a mission and inspire people to follow that. But um, beyond that, you know, I, I had a marketing company. I worked with a lot of other companies that were growing and were bigger and seeing the pitfalls of their organization, seeing where things were went wrong and then had just, I'm open to talk. I don't ever assume that I have all the answers and that I know shit. You know, I come um, ready to learn always. And I think that's, that's a real key. Just be open to all the information because there's a lot of great information out there. You know, I've read some business books. I don't tend to read a lot of them, but I do talk to a lot of people. And when I get a chance to rap with another businessman like yourself or like Tim or like Tucker, or like, you know, all of these people, we have a good you know, Austin consortium or hear stories from Ryan holiday about, you know, American apparel. Like I listen and I learn and I, you know, figure out ways that I can apply that to myself. And sometimes it's, you know, it takes both. It takes me screwing something up and me hearing the other way from, you know, it's sometimes you're stubborn and it's, it's not easy to change, but I try to stay as fluid and adaptable. Try not to let my ego get too attached to any one idea or I don't mind being wrong. I'm happy to be wrong. You know? So I, I think that's probably allowed us to, to shift and stay on top of things. I'm happy to be wrong. That's powerful. I don't yeah. think you say in passing, but I'm happy to be wrong is a hard thing for I think people to be accept, right? That, like that you can't fail or you can't do these things. And I think one of the, the key things that you said as well for people to think about is like, how are you putting yourself around the person who's done the things you want to do? Mm -hmm. Right. So I wanted to be someone who's created a SaaS company or a software company larger than, than ours. So I can figure out like, you're going to go, you've already done the things I'm going to go through. Right. So I reached out uh, to the guys who founded grasshopper.com. They sold for like a hundred million dollars uh, and have done really well. So I reached out to David Hauser. I was like, Hey, can I take you out to lunch or wherever you'd like to go in Vegas? And I'll fly out there any day you want to come meet you. And we can go do a workout if you don't even want to do lunch. And so we went and did yoga together and I nice. flew out to Vegas and spent, you know, a good amount of time with them. And he gave us suggestions about proactive metrics versus reactive metrics. Mm -hmm. So thinking about things you could change on your business to actually grow it versus just looking at, all right, how many page views today? Yeah. And that should shifted it significantly. And it's like, oh, okay. So let me spend more time being around the people who've done it and, and making initiative, talk to those people or set up conversations or whatever it is to, to make that happen. No doubt. Yeah. And just hiring good people, hiring and hiring pe good people, motivating them and trusting them. You know, I think that's also another key. I, you know, what's funny about that though. Uh, and we can, we can wrap up with that is that everyone knows that, but for some reason they don't do it. Right. We all say, I hire eight players. And I'm like, your people suck. Like, have you ever, <laughs> have you ever met your company? Like, I, like we don't hire anyone from your business. Yeah. And how do you surround yourself with people that hold you to a higher standard? Like when you show stuff to people, like I show my stuff to Brandon, he's like, that wasn't good. I'm like, no, no, that was a great video. He's like, yeah, it could have been a lot better. Or Charlie, uh, who works with Tucker. Mm -hmm. I show him my outlines for some of the podcast episodes. And he's like, yeah, let's redo that. Yeah. And so being around people where you're like challenged and you're like, yeah, actually that is a better suggestion. And how do I have more people around me like that? You know, a lot of people can say that, but then if, when someone does challenge you, if you punish them for the challenge, then you're training them the wrong way. You're saying like, yeah, I want you to challenge me. And then they challenge you and you totally eviscerate them, totally. you know, like that's going to create an environment where you're no longer getting challenged. So you know, even if you feel like they're wrong in their challenge, accepting it, like sitting with it and then presenting a very cogent argument to the other side, not allowing, not ever falling for that leadership trap of, because I said so. I don't think a parent should say that. I don't think anybody should say that. I think the logic should hold. And if logic becomes the standard and the thing that we're all subject to, then at that point, you know, you create an egalitarian system where people can talk because then they can, you know, the logic is always above you in the org chart. 
you know, so they can always go up to logic and say, here's logic, you know, how are you going to respond to the logic? And we all work for the logic. And I think that's the environment I try to create. Hana.com, Aubrey Marcus, <laughs> Aubrey Marcus podcast. And then yeah. the finishing the ranch, you bought a ranch. Yeah. Just crazy. And so how'd yeah. you choose to be the ranch? Like, what is this? Well, I want to ask because it's because I, so cool. I suck at investing and I, <laughs> the only probably the only thing I'm not going to lose all my money on is land and real estate. But I love Sedona. Sedona is like my I feel like it's my spiritual home. And I just fell in love with this place. And, um, you know, on it was doing well. I had the funds to invest and um, truly all my other investments that don't involve something I'm directly in control of have failed. <laughs> I was like, might as well spend it on might as well spend it on real estate. So it's a combination of a place that I loved and, you know, had a vision for it, being able to host retreats and gatherings and cleanses there and um and enjoy it myself and then also uh, it was a good place to to put my money so i didn't you know put it in the stock market and find all the stocks that lost money <laughs> yeah I mean, that's like my skill so if you ever want to make money in the stock market just go <laughs> yeah, against me totally like, I'm, I'm there with you holy shit okay what's your what's your most funny one or most interesting one and I'll well I, I had a bunch of like small like small stocks that I had, you know, options. I would work with different things and invest in my own money in these smaller things. I was, I was always going for the home run. I was always going for the hundred mm-hmm. Xers, like a, like a gold mining operation in Northern California. No, I really? Yeah. Yeah. It was bullion river gold and like all of these different things, like literally like trying to create my own Kenyan gold scam on myself. You know, if they strike that mother load, then yeah, it's a hundred X on that. And yeah. I believe the hype and hope for that rather than, you know, taking the, the longer game approach. I was always way too short term in my thinking um, and way too kind of, you know, trusting on people to make the right choices and not self-sabotage when I've seen people rescue defeat from the jaws of victory a million times, you know? So um, I think betting on the right people and betting on uh betting on things that are not these massive home run hundred Xers. I'm not good at that. I mean, some people are like probably you and Tim. And no, no, I suck at investing. <laughs> I mean, I, th- I think to your point and we, I'm, I'm finishing it with that is that like, um, you know, it, it's kind of like you found the things that are working for you. Yeah. You found that real estate works for you. You found your business works for you. And these things that are kind of like unknown, not that it has to be unknown, but like the ones that are like too good to be true. Right? Yeah. What's the lesson? Yeah, there sure. for? Cause like for me, I have to, what I've started accepting is what like, what the fuck do I know about gold mining? Nothing, <laughs> nothing. Don't invest in gold <laughs> dummy. Like, like do what you know. Yeah. You know, do what you know. Put your money in places, you know. Yeah. Let's leave it at that. Yeah. I'm Marcus. Beautiful. Dude, that was epic. Yeah. Thanks brother. I just want to go fun. listen to it again. Yeah. <laughs> that was really good. I haven't had anybody take me on a podcast journey that covered all the bases like that all right well my man crush is over with aubrey i hope you enjoyed all of his stories and tales as much as i did go check him out aubrey marcus on instagram twitter grinder snapchat whatever the hell he's on and check out his company onit.com if you love this episode you know what to do go tell one friend yo dog let's have a barbecue give me feedback as well i love learning what you liked about the show what you hated or what i can improve at Noah Kagan on the tweet world, N-O-A-H-K-A-G-A-N. And have a day. You fill in the blank on that one. Do you sleep on your back, side, or stomach?